Well, good morning, everyone. So nice to see your faces. And for those of you online, so nice to not see your faces. Anyways, (laughs) go ahead and stand up. We're going to start with worship. Turn seas into highways You're the only one 
our simple prayer this morning that you would just pour your spirit out and the reality is is as many of us come into this place God we've had a difficult week we find ourselves in difficult situations maybe it's a relationship that we find ourselves in God where we just don't sense or feel you and so God my prayer for us this morning is that you would as we have just sung begin to pour your spirit out into this place God we need a holy anointing and Lord, we pray that for each of us today and that God, you would come into this place. Lord, that you would invade our hearts and our minds and help us to understand, Lord, there is nothing greater in life than to pursue you. And so God, whatever we find ourselves in this morning, whatever we find ourselves facing, Lord, would you continue to pour your spirit out? And God, we wanna pray that specifically for our brothers and sisters at Michigan State, knowing that they have gone through such a traumatic event this last week, that God, you would pour your spirit out. Lord, that you would comfort those families and faculty and individuals who are part of that horrific event this past week. God, we're also reminded globally as we think about Turkey and all that's gone on there, the utter devastation and the loss of life. And Lord, our, our hearts go out there too. God, would you pour your spirit out upon the, the nation of Turkey? And God, bring your presence and bring your peace and bring your strength. God, all the things that we can't bring on our own, we just pray for all that's going on there. And then God, for us, we're so thankful to be in your house this morning. We're grateful to be able to be here to worship you together. And God, we just simply ask that over the remainder of our time together that you would continue to do that. Pour your spirit out through your word and through all that we want to do this morning. And Lord, we just simply ask your presence is here. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, thank you so much. Uh, for being here, if you're in Spring Lake, if you're watching us online, we want to thank you and welcome you for watching. Uh, today, if you are a guest with us, a special welcome to you. We're so thankful that you're here. 
We hope that you've enjoyed the service already, as short as it has been. But we're so thankful that you've come to visit. We'd love to get connected with you. We do this every week. If you are a guest, if you wouldn't mind filling out that uh, connection card, you'll find that that, uh, that QR code on the back of the seat front, in, uh, just in front of you there. If you scan that with your phone, it'll take you to that connection card. We'd love to know that you're here as a guest. And again, it's a great tool for the rest of you who call All Shores home to be able to use that, to be able to let us know if there's places that you have uh, questions or wonderings or just want to get in touch with a staff member, you can also use that connection card to let us know of any needs that you might have. Um, if you are a guest, I do want to let you know that if you've just been coming the last few weeks, next Sunday morning, we have what's called Newcomer 9. We started this a couple of months ago. We just take a couple of minutes of your time after the service to let you know a little bit more about All Shores. That's going to happen next Sunday morning, so we'd love to have you back for that. And we'll remind you next week a little bit more about what that looks like. And then finally, again, thank you for your faithfulness in the area of your giving. As we give back to the Lord, we are so blessed by, by your uh, willingness to be a part of that. And why don't we just, just remind you that as you walk out the doors today, if you came prepared to give, you can do that in offering boxes by the doors as you exit, or you can also do it online. The link is up behind me. Um, you can do that at allshores.org. So we've got a number of other things coming up we just want to let you know about. So take a few moments, watch the screens, look at a couple of events that are coming up. Hey, All Shores, I want to take some time and invite you to Ash Wednesday, a night where we take time to commemorate the beginning of Lent, which is a season where we take time as a church to reflect on Jesus's life, ministry, death, and sacrifice, ultimately giving us the gift of salvation. So Wednesday, February 22nd at 6.30 p.m., we'll join together at our Spring Lake campus for a time of worship, teaching, and ultimately the administration of ashes where we just remember Jesus' sacrifice and love for us. I hope that you will mark your calendar for this, and I can't wait to see you there. What if we knew that Jesus was coming back in 10 years? It would change everything. That is how I want us to live as a generation. And that is what we're going to talk about at If Gathering 2023. We do not want you to miss it. We want you to gather your people in your home, in your local church, on your college campus. We want you to gather your people and participate with us as we follow God together. I still cannot believe that I get to do this. Don't miss this. Gather your people and let's watch God move. want to sign up for that, a great event uh, that's coming up. We had a phenomenal event last night, our Celebrate Marriage Night. We had uh, over 60 couples attend. We crammed them all downstairs and uh, had a great meal together, uh, had some great entertainment, and we were blessed to have John and Danielle Freed here as a part of that event. Um, and every time we do this, this is the third year that we've done this, we have our speakers stay over on Sunday morning and get you an opportunity, if you weren't able, able to be there last night, to hear from them. So I'm going to ask uh, John and Danielle, if they would, to come up. They actually work at the Great Lakes region, which is kind of the governing body of the Wesleyan Church here in our area. Both of them are just phenomenally gifted. We love them, and I just want to encourage you to give them a warm All Shores welcome as they come and share this morning. <laughs> 
Thank you, guys. We did have a lot of fun last night. Sorry if you weren't there. I do actually hope you have FOMO if you're married so that you'll come next time. Because we had a really great time and just a lot of laughs and just time focusing in on marriages. This morning, though, we're excited because we want to talk specifically about communication. And this goes across marriages. It goes also into families. It goes into your day-to-day relationships, your work relationships. Communication is just a big key piece of all of that. And so we're excited that not just married people, that all of us this morning can talk and center our hearts on communication. Yeah, and as we think about communication, we realize and got kind of prepared for this is that so many relationships are impacted by uh, communication. You were saying uh, earlier that how much conflict has been in the workplace. Yeah, there was a study done by the Myers-Briggs Institute, and they said that workplace conflict, the amount of time spent on workplace conflict has doubled since 2008. And so for those of you that see that as a reality in your workplace or you think, man, we're spending a lot of time talking about problems, it probably is different than it was maybe in 2008. And so conflict is real life and communication is the biggest piece of that. And so we're excited this morning to be able to share with you a little bit about that. Yeah, so here's today's big idea. Great relationships are a result of great communication. And here's the scripture. We just kind of want to build this truth into our lives and into our heart and into our mind. But, but here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And we, and we could kind of make this slush ball of communication and include all of those things into communication. But the Bible says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so we're going to give you some ideas. These are things that have come out of some marriage coaching or marriage counseling that we've done over the years. And, but you can apply these, like you said, to any kind of relationship that you have. We talk a lot about our kids in this. We talk a lot about different relationships that we have. But communication is key. And one of the things you say all the time, Danielle, is great communication makes great relationships, but poor communications makes poor relationships. So if you have any poor relationships in your life, then this is for you. So the first principle that we want to give you this morning is the principle of self-awareness. Now, (laughs) to be uh, in good communication with other people, you first have to know yourself. And this has been huge for for me. And I know it's been big for you, Danielle. But um, we're going to break everybody up into kind of two categories. And if you don't like categories, you'll have to get over it. But... um, (laughs) The kind of categories we were thinking about was there are feelers, which is like, you know, I think think in our notes it says that 60 or 40% of the population are feelers. They just, and you're going to explain what feelers are. I'm a feeler, yeah. Yeah, you're you're definitely a feeler. And (laughs) 60% of the population are kind of what we call thinkers. So there's thinkers and there's feelers. Now, if you came with someone, you could look at them and tell them what they are because they may not know. But what are you, be self-aware, are you a thinker or are you a feeler? And so let me give you some ideas of what a thinker is. How many thinkers do you think there are in the room? If you're a thinker, raise your hand. They're still thinking. They're still thinking. They're still processing. I get it. I get it. Thinkers value logic over sentiment. That's, that's one characteristic. They decide with their heads before they decide with their hearts. Um, usually they're objective or measured, and they love things to be fair and accurate. Uh, they focus on being, um, they, they think about feelings instead of feeling them. And if you're a thinker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're a feeler, you're like, what do you mean by that? 
Um, and then finally, you may enjoy, if you're a thinker, you may enjoy uh, proving a point. The other day, I, was, we, I spoke at a church, and I was walking out with our little girl, Dayana. She's 10 years old. I think she's a thinker. I really do. I've watched her argue with her 13-year-old brother, and I'm like, that's what I would say. Great reply. You know, I just, like, she's a thinker in what she is. And we were walking out of this church, and I said, I asked her, I said, hey, did you think my sermon was good? And she said, I think 50% of it was good. And it didn't hurt my feelings one bit because I'm a thinker. I was like, I'm good with 50%. I, I go with that. So, but she just knew right away. And the accuracy and that number on it and measured, I think she's a thinker. Very so tell precise. us about a feeler, Danielle. The feelers lead with their heart. They value sentiment over logic. So they're more sentimental typically than the thinkers. They make their decisions with their heart. They make a decision based on how are they feeling about something. Usually they find it hard to express what they have to say in an orderly sequence. They may ramble. They may repeat themselves with more detail than a thinker wants or thinks is necessary. So people like me get this a lot. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like, okay, just, just say it. They will focus on what other people feel, and they typically have a little more empathy. Yeah, I had to read a book in 2015. I literally bought a book off Amazon called Empathy. That's how sick in the head I am. <laughs> I had to read a book about it. They feel their feelings. They just don't have time to think about them. I can't imagine. I cannot <laughs> imagine what it is. The principle of self-awareness is so important because here's what it says in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Meaning when you know yourself, and I know that I'm a thinker, and I know Danielle is a feeler, then I can do things to serve her and to love her better and to communicate better with her. Because if she's a feeler, then my communication has to be in a way so that we can connect together. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And it, it leads us into the second point, which is the principle of mirroring. Now we have our chairs down here, Danielle. <laughs> Here's what we'd like you to imagine with us. Uh, this chair is your seat of emotions. So even if you're a thinker or a feeler, we all have emotions. We all have personalities. We all have thoughts. We all feel things. It's just when we talk about thinking and feeling, what we're talking about as a, as a thinker, I tend to make decisions and to lead out and try to connect with Danielle with my thoughts, with my ideas, with, with thinking. And my emotions, my feelings are typically not the first thing to come out. And I usually protect them. I usually feel pretty anxious whenever I experience somebody else's feelings. And I'm not really sure how to handle them or describe them or put language to it. You, on the other hand... You'll notice mine are out front. Right out front. Very obvious. Right very out front. front and center, leading everything. <laughs> very much how do I feel leads how I live my life. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we, we love to demonstrate this whenever we have uh, couples who are coming to us for coaching or counseling. You know, oftentimes they'll sit there and we'll be listening to them talk and, and sharing, and we'll realize, oh, yeah, he's definitely the feeler or she's definitely the thinker. And then they'll start to talk about their conflict and how they handle conflict. And so oftentimes, this image has helped us in our marriage, but it's also helped them in their relationships. Maybe it helped you in your relationships with your kids or coworkers. If you know they're a thinker or a feeler, then how you can 
communicate to them will allow you to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge piece. So let's say I came home from work and it was a rough day at work and it was just, I was just frustrated and I was upset about it. I may come home and say something like, you're not going to believe what happened at work. And I start telling her all these details and I don't think I can take it anymore. And your response would be? Typically, I would say, what makes you feel that way? And he would just stare at me. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> he has no feelings. He has thoughts about this problem. And I don't know how to talk about thoughts. I only know how to feel the feelings. Yeah. So when you come home from work and you're feeling overwhelmed. I might say something like, I had such a terrible day at work. It was so hard. And they were just making me feel so uncared about and unseen. And my feelings were really hurt when this person said this other thing. And then I went to lunch. And then I felt like nobody wanted to sit with me at lunch, which was like so embarrassing. So then I felt super sad about that. And then I went to this other meeting. And it went really, really bad. And I just feel really overwhelmed. I feel like this is a really bad job for me. And I'm just not really sure what to do about all of that. And I would respond, well, I'm sorry to hear that. And I would just go on. Like, I can't, like, do you want me to fix it? You know, I'm thinking through it. I got, here's what the point of uh, these chairs, because these are the seat of emotion. And when you're self-aware to know you're a thinker or self-aware enough to know that you're a feeler, when you come home, let's try this again. So you come home. I had this really bad day at work, and I just feel so <laughs> You don't have to go through all of it again. I feel but... like nobody cares about me. I just feel like I don't have any friends, and nobody appreciates all the hard work I'm doing. I just feel so overwhelmed. What I need to do to really connect with Danielle and to communicate to her well, I need to bring my feelings out here and say, oh, I am so sorry. Tell me more about that. And just invite her to share more and more and more of her feelings. You get this? Because I want to connect with Danielle. I have to learn how to communicate with Danielle. This is key. This is key because I have to approach Danielle with my feelings. And this is really, really, really hard. And if I come home and I haven't thought through my feelings and I just share my thoughts with you, how would you approach me? Well, I have to find a way to put my feelings behind me and think with my head and think with thoughts and sit in your thoughts and say, what makes you think that? Yeah. And then actually when that happens, they do tend to start to talk about their feelings, but they just want to mask them as thoughts. And so you bring the head into the thinking world, and that helps give a place and a space for a thinker to be able to express what they're really maybe feeling. Exactly. And I love what you said before. You said, you said sometimes we just have to give them an opportunity to sit, to mm -hmm. sit in our feelings. Mm -hmm. And I have found that the more, this is, this is a cool thing here, the more that I have listened to Danielle and invited Danielle to share her feelings, do you know what she has done? She has taught me how to verbalize, how to understand, how to share my feelings. And the more I listen to her with her feelings, even though I don't know how to handle all the time your feelings, <laughs> hearing your feelings gives me language to go, yeah, I feel that way as well. And here's what we have found. The longer you let a feeler share their feelings, it will eventually turn to, and I think we should do this, and I think we should do this, and I think we should do this. And the longer she pulls out my thoughts on things and ideas on things, I will finally get to a place where I go, and that makes me feel. And that right there is a very powerful piece for a relationship because then all of a sudden, you have 
mirrored the other person long enough to where they can begin to connect through communication. Does this make sense? Does this sound good to you? Here's the next principle. So we've actually had people like in marriage, pre-marriage counseling, talking about these ways that we communicate, say like, you may have to periodically actually take out chairs. Oh yeah. Because it is so unnatural to respond and to mirror with that person. And we've had it too, because oh, yeah. I think we're very extreme in these two worlds. Like I don't think some, some people had said, maybe what if you're a blend of both? That's very, very possible. But for us, we're very extreme on those ends. And so that is where so much of the disconnect and miscommunication would happen. And so we still will sometimes like, think about the chair. Like, I don't need you to think for this problem. I need you to listen and validate my feelings. Yes, we may eventually get to the thinking and fixing this problem. And so you may want, even with your kids, you know, when you're yeah. having a conflict to say, like, let's think, figure out, is this kid a thinker or is this kid a feeler? And maybe we use this chair and think of it as the chair of emotions. Where does it need to be? How do I need to use this to communicate more effectively? Yeah, so if you ever see us in the freed front yard with chairs in our arms, it's okay. We're just communicating. <laughs> We're just communicating. So the third principle is the principle of the first response. And the scripture is from Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Oftentimes, the course of a conflict is not determined by the person who initiates the conflict, but it's by the person who responds. Yeah, so, so again, good. even in this situation, it's really the pro person with the problem doesn't initiate if there's going to be a conflict in this conversation. It's how that person responds. So and important. so you don't realize that like when somebody brings you something, you have a lot of power in that conversation mm -hmm. to figure out how is this going to go? What's this really going to look like? Yeah. And so we <laughs> really started to figure this out the first time I was pregnant. So we've been married for six years. And when you uh, get pregnant, just so you know, if you haven't ever, you get a little emotional. Okay? Yeah, just a little. It can be a little intense. A little intense, <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> we had gotten new flooring in our house, and we had this leftover carpet remnant, pretty good size, that we we're just going to throw away. And I was like, well, you know, our house is really small. I, was, I just had this like, idea that if we could take that old carpet and put it in this portion of our garage, our house was super tiny, like maybe it would be this nice area where we could like come out and like if we had people over, like the kids could play out there or something like that and yeah. just felt like it was a good idea. And so I present this idea to my husband. We pull in the garage and I was like, hey, and I tell him this idea. And he had strong thoughts that it was a very bad idea. I just said, no, I, that's not a good idea. We're not doing that. I'm thinking slush and snow and rain and all this kind of stuff. Now, the reality is I more than likely would have come to that same conclusion that it was a bad idea, okay? Now in my rational mind, I can tell you it was a bad idea. But it was my little feeling, and this beast of a man <laughs> took my feelings and crumpled them in that car, and I was sitting there thinking, and now I'm pregnant, and I'm going to have this baby with this monster who is so mean to me and does so not mean. care about my stupid feelings, and so I leave the car, and I go in the house, and I am seething mad about this rug thing, yeah. okay? And again, I can admit to you today, it was a bad idea, but I had lost all rational thought. <laughs> and so I'm waiting in the house and waiting in the house for him to come in and just say, I'm so sorry, mother of my child to be. I love you so much. I hurt your little precious heart and I care about you. He never came. No, I just waited her out. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I, I decided to step out the back door and run away at she 10 p.m., away. pregnant in the snow. 
I'm just going to see. Now let's see what happens, Mr. Husband, Father-to-be. And I'm marching around our neighborhood, and I was, like, losing my mind. Obviously, you can all already tell that. And I'm, like, looking between houses to see if he's ever going to come find me. <laughs> and I can see our car driving around our little tiny neighborhood. And I would even, like, hide behind snowbanks, like, I hope he really cares that he's lost me. <laughs> I hope he feels terrible. <laughs> And I'm in there going, well, if I don't go look for her, it's going to look terrible on the news. They're going to, you know, I didn't even go look for her. So now I got to drive around the neighborhood. And the concept of this is brilliant. This waffles and spaghetti thing. Describe that to us. So what was really happening is there's this, what, this waffle thought, like the thinking people have little boxes and they don't cross and they put their butter in their perfect little squares and their syrup in their little perfect squares. And whatever's in that square is all that really matters. It's not like this complex thing. Like, yeah. so rugs in the garage was a box. Yeah, so I'm in John. the driver's seat and she goes, should we put rugs in the garage? I answered the question, should we put rugs in the garage? And I answered it pretty coldly and didn't consider your feelings <laughs> in the rugs in the garage. And, but your spaghetti. And so the spaghetti is like the noodles and then the sauce and a little bit of cheese and it's all mixed up and you can't even separate it if you tried. Like one thing led to another thing, which felt another thing, which made this feeling, which it got to the point where I was like, you're going to be a terrible dad and you're a terrible <laughs> husband because you said no to my actually bad idea. And so I recognize, we recognize that like, whoa, this was a way deeper conversation for Danielle than it was for John, yeah. obviously. Now he did eventually kind of come find back and you. find me. and. Yeah. Everything worked out. And there were no rugs in our garage, in case you're wondering. <laughs> it didn't work out. That idea, though, of thinkers, feelers, but then also waffles and spaghetti. How many of you would say you're probably spaghetti kind of people? Everything is connected. Can't be separated. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Those of you who are, not, are waffles, you better take note of who the spaghetti people are. <laughs> for sure. Here's principle number Tread four. Lightly. So number four is the principle of the proper timing. So again, probably having that conversation at 10 o'clock at night when we're exhausted and obviously have been finishing up remodeling and all these things was not really the time to have the conversation about the rugs and the garage. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23 says, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. Amen. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. And so earlier on, we um, had another conversation where we recognized like, I mean, there's just like good times to have conversations for John and Danielle, and there's bad times. Yep. And it turns out late at night is typically a bad time. Also, when you're in a really stressful situation. And so we were in a very stressful situation, making our first big move together as a couple. And so that alone is like a big thing, right? And so we were leaving our first church. We didn't have any kids yet. And we were very, very sad to be leaving the church that we were working at going to be moving to a different state. We're packing up all the things that we own. And I'm just, you know, feeling sad about leaving, but trying to picture my new life and having a lot of spaghetti feelings about this whole process. And we come across this little lamp. And this little blue lamp happened to be his grandmother's who had passed away. So there's feeling number one, right? I'm attached to this little lamp. There's all these feelings of transition and change. There's sadness. There's happiness. There's all these anticipation. And I say to John, hey, I was thinking in our new apartment, there's like a sink that's separate from the bathroom in our room, and it's like in this dark corner. I was thinking maybe we could put your grandma's little lamp on that sink. That was a really good idea. And so I bring it to him. And I, I'm really good at shooting ideas down pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and I just saw myself shaving one morning and that thing falling in and electrocuting me. And I was like, no, that's not a good idea. You know? And so I, knowing that she is a feeler, I said, the statement, may I make a suggestion? And you just knew right away 
That was just me trying to be nice and shoot. Those were your strong thoughts. Yeah, those were my my feelings. Yes. And this was a much (laughs) deeper question than, what do you think of this idea? And when he said, can I make a suggestion? (laughs) I didn't say it like that. I mean, come on. That's how it (laughs) felt. It felt just oh, yeah. like that. And I just wanted to smack him across the face. <laughs> like, no, I don't need a suggestion. <laughs> like, I'm not sold out to this idea. I was just having this long, drawn-out feeling about it. Uh-huh. And I really just needed, you know, him to go, I can see how you feel like that would be really cool. And just move on. Pack the dumb lamp and keep going. But instead, it had to be this, this really, really tense moment of, can I make a suggestion? We joke about it all the time. <laughs> like, I don't want your suggestion. Just... Pretend it's a good idea, okay? Because we have a lot to do around here, and Danielle just likes to talk about all her long, drawn-out spaghetti feelings. That's right. And how many of you have said something at the... Maybe it was even the right thing, but it was just the wrong time. (laughs) Can I get an amen from somebody? Yeah. All right. It definitely happens. So the, the fifth principle is the principle of humor. And so you do have to be careful with this because sometimes you try to be funny, and then that is taken as a bad response and can really upset the other person. Yep. But we recognize this. Sometimes in the workplace, you can use humor to diffuse a tense situation, right? Like sometimes it falls flat, sometimes it works really well. We've seen this work really well with our kids. And so we actually will sometimes, the dog will be just like watching people fight and argue. Like he literally just sits there and watches like a weirdo. And so we'll just jokingly say like, well, Fozzie thinks blah, blah, blah. And the kids think that is so funny, and it like almost immediately disarms them, and it disarms us, and it just gets us to laughing and can really diffuse what could be a super tense conversation. We even did this with our first dog. Like John would say, well, Zoe thinks this, and it would just like, it almost brings you back to reality. Like if an argument is escalating or the tension is just getting really high about Mm -hmm. something really dumb that it really shouldn't be there, you'll use the dog as this example or of this like opinion on this conversation. And you realize how dumb you sound, really? (laughs) If you give the dog his thoughts or just try to find some way. Sometimes it's even just a touch, right? Again, you got to be careful. It may not be time for a touch, but it may be (laughs) also time to say, like, like, are we really even bringing up an old argument? Is this really the lamp on the sink again? And it's like, no, it's not going to be the lamp on the sink again. (laughs) And I just think you're, you're really good at this, and you're really good at being aware enough in the conversation to go, let's just take a breather for a minute and realize we don't have to take this so seriously. It's not right. like this huge pinnacle thing. That's so good. Really and here's our sixth one, uh, the principle of prayer. And here's the scripture that we wanted to show you again today. This is just that Ephesians 4 scripture. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. The principle of prayer is this, and it comes really from our families. We come from a long line of prayers. And our grandparents, and expect, I was thinking of my grandparents, um, every night, I, I think it was maybe right after Jeopardy, I'm not exactly sure, but my grandpa would turn off the TV, and he'd say, all right, well, let's kneel down here at the Davenport, and, which is a couch, and we, the whole family, just the whole family, no matter what they were doing, no matter what they were involved with, would all come to the living room, and grandpa and grandma, uh, Lucy and Don, would just kneel down there at the Davenport, and lead in prayer. And I know they did that after all their kids left. I know that they did that before they had kids. But this is this moment where they just continue to bring and come back to the Lord. You gave a great example earlier. Can you share that again? Yeah, so I was with a group of pastors, and I was giving this 
this potential situation and just kind of going around the table saying, if this happened in your church, what would you do? And it was a really kind of intense situation that happened within this guy's church. And so people were given all their opinions of what they should do because it's one of those things like you never think it through and let's just think it through and just have an interesting conversation. And one of the guys said, well, if this person was coming at me very intensely and possibly beginning to create a physical altercation with a pastor, he said, I would say, stop. It's obvious that you're upset and that this conversation is gonna be pretty intense. Could we just stop and ask the Lord to be a part of this conversation? And to be honest with you, I laughed. <laughs> I'm like, really? You're really gonna do that? Like, yeah, right, way to be really holy. And his wife was like, no, he would do that. Like, that's what he does. And I just stepped back and really was like impressed yeah. and challenged to think, well, why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we stop and say, this isn't going well the way we're trying to accomplish it. So maybe the Lord needs to be intentionally invited into this conversation. And so our kids are about to be 11 and 13. And so we're entering this new phase of life, this preteen teen life. And our son is having intense emotions a lot. And he even said to me, you know, he was having a frustrating moment. And he's like, mom, it's just part of puberty. You better watch out, mood swings. I'm like, <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad we're self-aware. Well, we were having an intense conversation and it wasn't going really well. And so I said, would you like me to pray and invite God to be a part of this conversation? He was like, yeah, because it's pretty obvious to him. I didn't know what I was doing and it wasn't going the well the way we were trying. And so we, I prayed for maybe 20 seconds, just asking God to be a part of this conversation. And immediately after I said, amen, we began to talk calmly and it went extremely well. And so I was really able to learn from him this really simple way to say, of course we should pray in the morning, of course we should pray at night, of course we should pray in the middle of conflict, but man, that just doesn't seem very easy. Right. And he made it really obvious, no, it can be that easy and it can be really, really quick and it can really recenter your heart and your mind. Yeah, and, and I just wanna recognize there's probably a lot of people in the room right here to pray with your spouse or to pray with your friend about conflict or that kind of thing would feel so awkward and mm -hmm. not natural mm -hmm. and almost forced right. and it may be true. It may be forced, it may not be natural, and it may be completely awkward, but it does express your heart. It does express your thoughts and your desires to honor the Lord and to go, I just wanna do this right. Mm -hmm. And we have to then begin to build. And I will give you some encouragement that the more you do it, the more you pray together, the less and less awkward it's gonna feel. Yeah. But it'll always feel like this moment where you can come back to the Lord. I love that you are taking communion this morning, that we're going to take communion this morning. It's such a great redo moment. That's something we've introduced in our family. Like, you know, we'll be having this intense, passionate conversation. And at any point in the conversation, you can just say, can I have a redo? Can I have a redo? And it's a way of just saying, I'm really sorry. I really wish I could turn back and go a different way. But could I just have a redo? And when I read this verse in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, get rid of, get rid of this cycle of bad communication, get rid of all of this hurt, get rid of this bitterness. And some of you, you have been hurt in a relationship. Things have been said and have not been resolved and they have just festered and festered and festered and it is grown into, ingrown into bitterness. And some of you, the rage and the anger comes out with harsh words. They just spill over the overflow of your heart. And you've said some things, maybe you don't even mean, but you said them because you were hurt. And there's anger and there's rage there. And there's slander. You've said some things about people that if they were sitting next to you while you said them, you would be so embarrassed, so humiliated. And people have maybe said things about you 
have hurt you, have accused you of things, have said things about you that have just broken your heart. And I love what Paul says. He says, just, let's just get rid of all of that. Can we just have a redo? And maybe that's why Sunday morning is so good, because it's a whole new week, and we just get a redo moment right here. And for some of you, this may be your very first time taking communion. And this will be such a healing experience for you, all of us, but for you this very, very first time. Because it says here, instead, be kind to each other. And when I read that phrase, be kind to each other, I may immediately think of the thinkers who are thinking, I'm going to do this to be kind. And it says to be tenderhearted. And I think about the feelers, right? It says, forgive one another. And as you take this cup and eat this bread this morning, this can be a powerful moment for you to really say, Lord, I want your forgiveness for the communication that I've had or, or wish I had, but... I'm also going to just release and get rid of and forgive so that I can have healing in some areas of my life. And that forgiveness can only come through Christ. Forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I don't know how you came to church this morning, but if you came to church like the Freeds come to church, sometimes there's harsh words shared. It's true. Wouldn't it be nice just to begin this week in February, just to begin this week by getting rid of all of this and beginning fresh and anew? So as you take your communion elements this morning, I want to invite you to take the bread, Christ with his disciples, and Christ with you says, this is my body, and it's broken for you. And if you show up here this morning broken, you are in the perfect place. We are a broken people who through Christ and his brokenness, we are made holy. We are made whole. We are made right. All those things that are wrong, when you, caught, when you walk out of here because you have eaten this, because of Christ and his brokenness on the cross and his resurrection, we are made whole. Take and eat. In that same moment, Christ took the cup of wine. And he said, just as these grapes were crushed and broken, and just as the wine flows, so his blood would flow. He says, this, my blood, will forgive all sins. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that he forgives sins. That when you drink this cup, Christ declares in your life because of who he is and the power that he has as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you are free from that sin. You are healed from that sin. So drink and be forgiven. One of the things that I love about communion, communion is really a communication from God to you, and now you to the Lord. And I just want you to be blessed in this moment. Would you pray for us, Danielle? Yeah. God, we thank you so much for this ability to have communion and to have this reflection on you and on your goodness and on your making us whole and on your forgiveness. And I just pray, Lord, that in this moment together that you would cleanse our hearts that you would renew our relationships, Jesus, that you would strengthen relationships within families, 
that you would strengthen relationships within our workplaces, that you would strengthen our marriages, Lord, that you would allow the way that you work and move in each of us to reflect out to the communities around us, that people would see and know that there's something different in us because we have submitted our hearts and our lives to you, Lord, and allowed your goodness and your light to shine through us. And so we pray over each family here, each family represented online, and just pray continued blessings over them, Lord, that they might be a bright light for you, shining your goodness to the people around them and allowing even the hard parts of their marriages and relationships to become stronger, to use it as a building block, just to become more like you and bring you glory and honor in our relationships. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Guys, go ahead and stand up as we worship. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaking, I've never been more glad than I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. And I still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under I'm not held by my own strength Cause I filled my life on Jesus He's never let me down He's faithful in every season So I would
So we're uh, going into the Lent season this coming Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, and we have a video. So go ahead and take a seat and watch the screen. It is as bad as the experts feared. Hurricane Ian has made landfall in Florida. There are a few corners of the massive state of California not feeling the impact. We have some breaking news out of Virginia where police say a six-year-old is in custody. U.S. officials say that up to 100 use training. Tonight, a battle to control the state of snow on Mexico. As Hurricane Ian is in the deadly mass shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia. Six well, a lot going on there. We are starting this new series, as Stephen said, next Sunday morning. So we want to invite you back out to be a part of that. I think it's going to be a very meaningful time as we enter into the Lenten season. And I also want to remind you that this Wednesday night, we have our Ash Wednesday service. We'd love to have you come back and be a part of that. It's here at Spring Lake, and that's again on Wednesday, and it'll kind of kick off our Lenten season. I personally am looking forward to this series, and what does it mean to unplug and really spend some time with Christ in a new and unique way? So make sure you come back next week, and that will kind of take us up through Easter. I also want to just take one moment and just say a special thank you to John and Danielle. Would you express your appreciation to them today? Yep. Thanks, guys. Sure appreciate you. And then I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'd love to pray just a prayer of blessing on you, and we'll let you you get into your day. It is a beautiful day out to enjoy. So let's pray. Father, we thank you as you hold your hands out. Father, we thank you 
for the blessing of being together. We thank you for the joy that's in our hearts. And God, we all know that we build and have relationships around us that are either weak or strong or we struggle with or we do great with. But God, we pray that today would just be a reminder of the importance of us following you and doing well in relationships. And so God, I pray that we've learned something as we go from this place. Lord, bless us as we become the light of the world and a light in the world. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, 